Good morning, Lakeview Church. I have been waiting for this day since uh, last fall. We ask God to guide and direct us as a church. We ask God to give us a vision for the future. And over this last year, we've been in a vision discernment process, and we've been diligently seeking God's direction, and we've been working together as a congregation to discern that vision, and God has given that to us. And I want to take just the next 30 minutes and talk to you about how we can become a church of the future. Now, some of you might be wondering, why do we need to become a church of the future? Why is that important to us? Well, there are several reasons why it matters. The first of which is related to this whole idea of revitalization and sustainability. Organizations and churches are no different, have to continually renew themselves over time in order to be revitalized and have the life that's necessary to sustain themselves over the course of time. So if an organization or a church doesn't renew itself, doesn't continually become a church or an organization of the future, it will over time become irrelevant and ineffective. And in fact, what we know about organizations is that they're much like people. If they do not have a renewal in their life cycle, organizations and churches are born, they live, and then they decline, and then they die. It's just the normal way of things that live. They, they have this kind of normal life cycle, but organizations are different than people in that they can have new life cycles that begin, and the most healthy, enduring organizations and churches over time know how to, at the right moment, start new life cycles and renew themselves to have the kind of sustainability and life that's required over time. And so here's the reality. We have to become a church of the future because if we try to just dwell in our past, which was a wonderful past, where we saw the work and hand of God upon this church, if we dwell in the past or we try to institutionalize the present, we try to lock it in just like it is today, just like we like it, if we do either one of those two things, we will over time decline and as a local church, we will cease to exist. How's that for inspiration on Vision Sunday? It kind of seems strange to start, to start Vision Sunday there, except that when you think about pursuing the vision of the future that God is calling us into, it is important for us to know what is at stake. We are not just pursuing a vision of the future so we'll have something to do. We are pursuing a vision of God's future for our church because it is absolutely necessary if we are going to endure as a church over time to be faithful to what God is asking of us in our day and in the days to come. So revitalization and sustainability are really important. Secondly, I think we should become a church of the future because it has to do with heritage and legacy. While we can't dwell in our past because that's not a healthy way to endure as an organization, we shouldn't ignore our past either. God has given us a great and godly heritage. 
And we should thank God every day for the heritage that we have received from those who have gone before us. But the best way for us to honor that heritage is to receive it from those who have gone before us and then be faithful in our day to turn that heritage into a legacy for those who will come after us. It's not enough for us just to say, look at our past. We have to say, look at our past. And now what is God asking us to do so we can leave a heritage behind for those who will come after us? heritage and legacy. And then thirdly, we should become a church of the future because it deals with calling and culture. The reality is, is that our culture is becoming more and more godless and more and more secular each and every day. We don't have to like that. We don't have to celebrate that, but we do need to acknowledge that it is true. In North America today, our culture is increasingly godless and secular, and it is becoming more and more so. Now, churches face two temptations in that kind of reality, the first of which is to compromise for the sake of relevance, to basically say, we're going to be in the world and we're going to be of the world because we want to fit in, we want to belong, we want to be accepted. That's a temptation churches face. And many of them succumb to it. There's another temptation, though, and that's the temptation to withdraw for the sake of purity. To say, we don't want anything to do with this godless culture, so we're not going to be of this world, and we're not even going to be in it. Can we just get like a commune out on the edge of town and withdraw from it and not engage with our society at all? Those are two temptations that churches face. And here's the reality. God did not call us to either one of those. He did not call us to compromise for the sake of relevance. And he did not call us to withdraw for the sake of purity. God calls his church to engage in culture. This is why Jesus prayed that we would be in the world, but not of it. That we would be able to maintain our distinct and peculiar nature as God's people, holy, blameless in this world, but we would be right in the middle of it, engaged with it. And so for us to be faithful to what God is calling us to be in our culture, we must become a church of the future. So over the next three weeks, beginning today, so this Sunday, next Sunday, and the last Sunday of May, we're going to talk about the kind of church that we must become, a church that will continually renew itself so that we can be sustained in the mission of God, not just today, but for generations to come. We're going to talk about what it will take for us to be the kind of church, not that just celebrates its heritage, but that leaves a legacy for those who come behind us. And we're going to talk about what it takes to be the kind of church that is engaged in the middle of a godless and secular culture, faithfully witnessing to who Jesus is and what he calls us to be in this world. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about the kind of values that ought to shape this kind of church. The kind of values that will will guide us in how to be a church of the future in this kind of reality. And we're going to talk about what kind of community we must become next week. On the last Sunday of May, May the 30th, we're going to talk about the heart of it all. 
Because the reality is, is that any church that is faithful in its mission recognizes that there is one truth that guides and directs that kind of church. And that one truth is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to talk about that on May the 30th. But today, for these next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the target that we are aiming for. The target that we are aiming for. Last fall, we spent some time in the book of Nehemiah. And if you were here last fall, you may remember that we looked at the story of Nehemiah for several weeks in a series called Pursuing God's Vision. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the story of Nehemiah, let me just give you the 90-second version. Nehemiah is a Jew who is living in a foreign land. He's in exile. He's been carted off by a foreign government, and he's been conscripted into service inside of that foreign nation. And he finds himself as cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah, while he's serving in the palace there as cupbearer to the king, receives news about his homeland, and in particular the city of Jerusalem. And the news that he receives is that Jerusalem is in disrepair. The walls have been torn down, the gates have been burned with fire, and the people who live in Jerusalem find themselves suffering derision. They're they're actually disgraced because of the condition of the city in which they live. Nehemiah is saddened by this reality, so he goes into a period of mourning. He begins to fast and he begins to pray. And God gives him a vision for how things could be different in Jerusalem. A couple of months later, Nehemiah finds himself serving in the palace as cupbearer to the king. And the king says, Nehemiah... You look kind of down today. What's going on? And Nehemiah says, well, it's just sadness of heart. Because when I think about my city, when I think about my homeland, the place where I come from, and I know that it's torn down, I know that the people who live there are in disgrace, it saddens my heart. And so the king, in an act that can only be described as the favor of God, gives him permission and provision to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, to rehang the gates, and to restore health to the city. Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem. He rallies the people. He fights off opposition. They rebuild the walls. They rehang the gates. And they do all of that in just 52 short days. Now, as we talked about this story last fall, we identified several principles. We said that vision is born in the intersection between situations that don't match God's intention and the prayers of God's people. So when we see something that doesn't look the way God wants it to look, and we go to prayer as God's people, in that intersection, vision is born. We said that as vision is born, it requires our diligence and it requires our dependence. We have to diligently do what God is asking us to do and we have to depend fully on God to do what only God can do. We said that no vision of God can be pursued by one person alone. It always, always, always requires a team. Right? Nehemiah goes to the people in Jerusalem and he moves from I to us. He says, we need to rebuild the wall. And the people work together and the walls are rebuilt. And we said that when we pursue God's vision, we will face opposition. 
The enemy will come against us. People will criticize us. They'll try to tear us down. And we might even face internal opposition because we might get discouraged or despair in our hearts. But if we are faithful to stick together as a community of people, and if we are faithful to pray and remember the Lord our God, who is great and awesome, we will be able to keep going even in the face of opposition. I have one more principle from the story of Nehemiah that I want to share with you today. It comes out of Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And the principle is this. To hit the bullseye, you have to see the target clearly. To hit the bullseye, you have to see the target clearly. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, Nehemiah talks to the people of Jerusalem and he reminds them of the condition that they are in. This is what he says. You see the trouble that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. In other words, Nehemiah is saying, listen guys, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. The walls are torn down. The gates have been burned with fire. This is not what God intends. It's good for us to be reminded that when we look around us and we don't see things living and functioning the way God intends, that it's okay for us as God's people to be heartbroken about that. Nehemiah reminds the people clearly and succinctly of the condition that they are in in Jerusalem. And then he paints a picture of the future. He says, let us rebuild the wall so that the people will no longer suffer derision. He's basically saying, guys, this is not the way God wants it to be, so let's go to work, let's rebuild the walls, and if we do, the people who live in this city won't, won't be in disgrace anymore. They'll actually begin to thrive. They'll actually have an opportunity to come back to life again and become the people that God wants them to become. Nehemiah is clear about the target that they're aiming for and the pathway to get there. In order for the people to no longer live in disgrace, they got to rebuild the wall. If you want to hit the bullseye when you're pursuing God's vision, you got to be able to clearly see the target. I want to take just the next few minutes and talk to you about the target that we are aiming for as a church over the next five years. And you'll remember last fall, not only did we talk about Nehemiah, but we actually invited you as a congregation to gather together in focus groups of 15 to 20 people to talk about what God was putting in your heart for the future of our church. And you spoke. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful to be in those focus groups, to hear from you as you spoke from what God was putting in your heart for the future of our church, and to hear that and to record that. We actually had people in the back of the room recording what you were saying in a document, and that document turned into 17 pages of notes, single space, 10-point font. You need a magnifying glass to read it all. You spoke right out of your heart, right into this process. And what, what we looked at as we looked at all of the things that you said, 17 pages of notes, we began to see so clearly that there was a, a theme that ran through everything that you were saying. 
And what we discovered is that Lakeview Wesleyan Church, according to what you shared, Lakeview Wesleyan Church exists for three things. We exist to make disciples. We exist to transform our community. And we exist to multiply the church from here to everywhere. It was so clear. You said it in lots of different ways. You used lots of different words. But what we heard over and over and over again is that we want to be a church where people are coming to faith. Where their lives are being changed by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. And where we are training and developing those people to be mature disciples of Jesus. We heard that over and over and over again, that we wanted to be a church where people were rooted in the scriptures, where they knew what they believed and why they believed it, where they had practices that would guide and direct their faith journeys, that would make them into the kind of people that God wants them to be. You said that over and over and over again. You said that we can't be a church that just hides out inside the four walls of this building. We have to be a church that goes out and engages in our community where we find and meet real needs around us, where we make a real difference in the lives of people, where because we are here, our community becomes different and better. You said that in a lot of different ways, but you said it over and over and over again. And you said that we needed to be a church that continued to be engaged in the global mission of God. One of the things that's part of our heritage that we want to make into part of our legacy is that we want to be a church that's constantly engaged in what God is doing, not just here, but around the world. And you said that over and over and over again. That we exist as a church to make disciples, transform the community, and multiply the church. Now, we didn't just ask you to help us with some themes. We asked you to help us kind of make it really concrete and specific. We said, talk to us about if we do these things, what would that look like? What would you see five years from now? And again, you were so good at this. You were so good at this. And you spoke into the future. And God, God began to give us a clear picture through the words that you were saying. And I want to just take these next few minutes here and just kind of articulate some of the targets under each one of those headings that came from you that we are as a church today saying, this is what God is calling us to pursue. These are the things we're going to give our time, our effort, and our energy to. We're going to invest our resources in seeing these things accomplished for the glory and the honor of God. So under the heading of Make Disciples, we believe that God is calling us to be a church that is growing and expanding as a community of faith. We believe that as we are faithful to what God is asking us to do, that people are going to want to be a part of this community of faith. That they're actually not just going to hear the gospel through our church and accept Jesus through our church, but they're going to enfold their lives into this body of believers and they're going to join this church and become a part of who we are. So we are asking God to double the size of our church over the next five years. Right now we're a church of about 250 people. We believe that over the next five years with God's help we can become a church of 500. Now, some of you said we should become a church of 5,000. Let it be so, Lord. But doubling in the next five years is a pretty ambitious goal. 
And we are praying for God to help us do that. Now, we don't want to just grow because people from other churches decide that there's a better show here now, and so they come back. Hear me clearly. We do not want to grow by grabbing people from other churches because if we do that, the kingdom's not growing at all. We want to grow by reaching people for Jesus Christ. So we are also praying that God would allow us to walk into the waters of baptism with 150 people over the next five years. People who have, for the first time, found a relationship with Jesus Christ, have had their lives radically changed by his grace and his power, and they publicly profess their faith in him by being baptized. We want to see that happen. And as they are baptized, we, we don't want to just leave them as people who have accepted Jesus in their heart and publicly testify to that. We want to actually build a discipleship path that takes them from the earliest moments of their faith journey all the way to being a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Meaning that they are rooted and grounded in the scriptures. Meaning that they know the doctrine of the Christian faith and they're solidly, they know what they believe and why they believe it. They're not tossed back and forth by the waves of culture. We want them to be people who know their gifts and their abilities and are committed to using them to serve inside of the church and out in the community as part of our dream team. We want to see people who, who understand how to take all that God has entrusted to their care and wisely steward all of those resources to see the kingdom of God move forward. And most importantly, we want disciples in our church to know how to share their faith how to lead someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ and how to integrate their faith into everyday life so they can be everyday missionaries right here in Grant County. The reality is very simply this. You are not a mature follower of Christ until you are leading others to know who he is. I want to say it again because that's not always how we define mature Christian faith. But that's exactly what mature Christian faith is because that's what Jesus said it would be. And the last time I checked, he gets to define it. Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. If you are not fishing for people in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have not yet reached the maturity that Jesus has intended for your faith. And you've still got growing to do. And we are committed as a church to helping people grow in that aspect so that they become mature disciples, which means you are making disciples. That's how maturity is defined, by our Lord. And so that's how we're going to define it here at Lakeview Church. We're going to make disciples as a congregation. The second thing we're going to do is transform our community. We know that as we become disciples, uh, there is a movement of transformation that has to go from us as a congregation out into our community. That happens as you share your faith with people in your relational network. But we also realize that there are things that we get to do as a body of believers that make a greater impact than things that you could do on your own. So we can actually get together as teams and groups and we can go out into our community and meet needs and make a difference in ways that you can't do by yourself. This is why we have ministries like Embrace Grace 
where we come alongside of young women who have unplanned pregnancies and we invest in their lives so that they can become the very best mothers that they can be for this new life that God is bringing into the world through them. And while we are investing in them as mothers, we are sharing the gospel with them. We see this ministry expanding in the the years to come to go back and invest in the mothers that we have already been working with. And not only the mothers, but to actually open up an entire new aspect of this ministry and begin investing in the fathers of these children as well. Not only do we think about things like Embrace Grace, but we think about Feed the Street, where we collect items to fill grocery bags, and then we go into homes and we deliver food to families. Not just to say, here's a handout, but to build a relationship, to meet a need, to communicate love and compassion and service, and then to share the gospel when the Lord opens that door for us to do so. We think about organizations that we can partner with, not just things that we do as a church, ministries that we run, but are there organizations in our community that are already doing really good things that we don't need to replicate? We just need to join with and help it go farther and faster. And so we're looking for four community organizations that we can partner with. And partner means more than just send a check. We're actually defining partner as an organization where we could give physical and financial resources, but more importantly, we could put dream teamers to serve in those organizations on a regular monthly or weekly basis to help those organizations succeed. So places like the Grant County Rescue Mission, where by the way, we just recently opened a counseling office. We put a counselor there half a day a week. That's going to grow to a full day pretty quickly here if it hasn't already done so in the first month of doing this. But we're coming alongside of residents in the Grant County Rescue Mission providing Christian counseling for them to help them in the life change program become everything that God wants them to be. That's the kind of partnerships we're talking about. Not just where we send a check, but where we are present and engaged in the work of God's kingdom right here in our community. We think about our community and we know that there are racial wounds in our community that go deep. It's part of our history and we cannot ignore that. And there are lots of ways that we could participate in helping to heal those wounds. But I think one of the things that God is calling us to do, one of the things that came right out of the focus groups from you is that we as a congregation would look for one or more black congregations in our community that we could develop a working relationship with. And that together we would meet with that congregation and we would develop a shared vision of a way that together we could serve our community so that our community could see a white, predominantly white congregation working with a predominantly black congregation in something that would help our community so that we're not just saying white people and black people should get along, but we're showing them. Because the kingdom looks like that. We want to be a part of that. We think about our counseling center. We know that there are emotional, relational, mental needs all across our community. COVID has not made that better. It's made it worse. We want to see our counseling center double in size, double in the number of counselors, 
doubling the number of clients seen every week, and we know that there are people who need Christian counseling. We want to provide that. And God has already, even just since we've put this document together, God's already been opening doors. The Grant County Rescue Mission is part of that. We just have had another place contact us and say, hey, we've got this medical office. We're seeing people all the time who need counseling. Could you put a Christian counselor here? And we'll just, we'll just refer our people right from our medical office, walk them down the hallway, and get them connected to one of your counselors so they can receive Christian counseling right in our building. We want to see that kind of stuff open. And then we believe that the Counseling Center has a, a broader ministry, one that we've never really explored before, but we're going to ask our counselors to lead support groups. That will be free to people in our church and people in our community to come if they're dealing with anxiety or depression. Single mothers who need some support and help in that, in that stage of life that they are in. Those who are recovering from divorce or have gone through the loss of a loved one and need some grief support. We're going to help them in those kind of support groups. We've talked about addictions recovery. We've talked about marriage support groups. Listen, there are lots of needs we're going to ask our counselors to come into this church building and lead support groups so that we will have support groups meeting many nights out of the week. And you can be a part of those, and people in our community can be a part of those, and we see that as an on-ramp into our church and into hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and into a healthier, thriving life that God intends for everybody in our community to have. I haven't talked about Lakeview Christian School, but I need to because God's given us a school and we are committed to making that school the very best educational experience it can possibly be for the students who walk into our building every single week. You might not know this, but 60% of the families who are a part of our school do not have a church home. And we are going to make efforts over the next couple of years to build relationships with those families and invite them into our church so that they too can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're committed to providing a high quality education and integrating Christian faith right into that learning. But we want to do more than that. We want to see God use our school as a mission to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's all part of transforming the community. One more heading, and i got to go fast. We've got to talk about how to multiply the church. We believe that God wants us to expand the influence of his kingdom from here to everywhere. So we're committed to starting a residency program for pastors and missionaries, students who have trained in an educational institution like Indiana Wesleyan or Taylor University, but it could be another Christian university in our country. They've sat in a classroom. They've learned the things they need to learn, but now they need to put it into practice in a safe environment where they can grow and develop as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to create a two-year residency program so pastors and missionaries could come to our church, serve in the context of a local church, grow and develop as leaders, and then we would commission them and send them wherever God is placing them so that the influence of this church continues to multiply and expand through the leadership of those whom God has called and equipped. We believe God's leading us to, to start multiple campuses as a church. And some of you say, what in the world is a campus? Well, it's Lakeview Church in another place. 
It's not a different church. It's not a church plan. It's not some, some different organization. It's, it's our church. But in another location to reach a group of people who we would be less likely to reach if we were just depending on them to find their way to this space. Right? If we put the burden on the people we're trying to reach to find their way into our church, we're not being very good missionaries. Missionaries are called to go where the people are and to make a difference in that place. So we see in the next five years two campuses that we believe God is leading us to start. The first is a virtual campus. And some of you are saying, this is ridiculous. Don't worry, I said it too when I heard it. And yet what I know is that the way our culture has been going and COVID just accelerated it is that there are people in our world today who are more likely to connect with church online or on demand than they are to ever walk into a building. I'm not asking you to like that. I'm not asking you to celebrate that. I'm just telling you that's part of our mission field. And as a church, we're committed to do anything short of sin to reach our mission field. So if there are people who are most likely to connect with the church online or on demand, that's where I want to be. Because that's the mission Jesus has called us to fulfill. Now this is more than just connecting with the worship service live stream, although that's part of it. We actually want to dedicate a staff person to be the pastor of the online community, to make connections with the people who are watching online, to build relationships with them and help them to connect with one another, and to give to them discipleship opportunities so they can grow in their faith, and help them find places of service on the dream team so that they can serve God in our church and in the community. Now some of you, most of you probably in this room, are thinking to yourself, that's not going to work. But you're here. For the people who are online, we need that to work. And so we're going to try to figure out how to do that. And that's an innovative approach. Which, by the way, is part of our heritage. Someone told me a few weeks ago, that Pastor Cockrell built this church by being innovative. He didn't do things the way they had always been done. That's part of our church. We're going to honor our past by pursuing our future. Now there's another campus that we want to start, and that campus is a campus that's closer to downtown. We believe that there are people in our community that we could reach with the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the holiness message of the Wesleyan Church that says you can find freedom in this life because of the grace and power of God. And we want to create a campus that's closer to downtown that can become for us a ministry hub, a place where we can do weekly worship services, a place where we can provide counseling and support groups and life skills training for people who want to learn how to manage their money in an effective way, want to learn how to maybe improve their job skills so they could get a better job. We want to have a place close to downtown where we can do that kind of ministry. Now, does that negate what we do here? No, we're going to do it here too. 
We just want to make sure that we are looking for places where people are and we are moving the church closer to those people. And you say, where did these ideas come from? We prayed and we asked God to speak through this congregation into the vision of our church. There is not a single idea that I have shared with you in the last few minutes that did not come from you as a congregation. God spoke through you. God answered our prayers through you. Now, I have two, uh, two reactions every time I talk about this stuff. The first one is pure excitement. In case you didn't know, I was excited about where we're going. Uh, I get excited every time I think about the future of our church. I, I don't know how many thousands of times I've read what I just shared with you over the last several months, but it, it has been thousands. There are days when I've read it multiple times. And I get excited every single time that I read it. But then I have another reaction that comes right behind it, and that is the reaction of having to catch my breath. Because it's a little overwhelming. I call it the gulp factor, where it's like, can we really do all that in the next five years? And maybe you had both of those reactions as well, a sense of excitement, anticipation of what God is leading us into, but then this moment of like, is this really possible? Just to be clear, if we do it in our own strength, it's not possible. We need God's help. But there is a little bit of that, right? Like, man, this is an exciting picture of the future, but it's a lot, and can we really do this? And so I wanna just take Three minutes, if I can do it in three minutes, because we got another meeting after this for members. I just want to give you a pathway. How do we go from where we are today to where we want to be? And here's the bottom line. We do that by making the kind of disciples who make disciples transform the community and multiply the church. This means we need a pathway and a plan to actually build the kind of disciples that God wants you to be and the kind of disciples the world needs you to be. Now we believe, as we think about this, that love for God sits at the beginning of the pathway and at the end. In other words, because we love God, we engage in the discipleship pathway that God is leading us to engage in. And when we get to the end of it, our love for God has grown and developed and has been expressed. There are three main parts to this pathway. The first is that people in our church will learn to follow Jesus. Now, I want to be real clear. This is more than giving your heart to Jesus. This is bringing your entire life under his leadership and his lordship. This means being rooted and grounded in the scriptures. We want to teach you how to read and study the scriptures for yourselves. When churches say that, that they're going to another church because they're not getting fed, I just know that that Christian's immature. Because mature people know how to feed themselves. Right? When, if, I, if my kids who are in their late teens, if they still needed me to feed them at the table, something has gone wrong. And I assure you, my kids can feed themselves because they eat a lot. 
right? Maturity means being able to feed yourself. We want to root you and ground you in the scriptures and show you how to read and how to study. We want to actually help you figure out who Jesus is and what he taught and why he taught it and help you become like him. We want to teach you the doctrines of the Christian faith. Because we live in a culture where there are lots of ideas that are not godly. And they will toss you back and forth on the waves of culture. You need to know the doctrines of the faith. And we want to give you practices. John Wesley called them means of grace. Things like prayer and fasting and service and solitude and silence and worship. We want to teach you how to engage in those practices so you can become the kind of people that God wants you to be. Because that's going to be required if we're going to accomplish this vision. Secondly, we want to help you live generously. Because devoted followers of Jesus descend into greatness by becoming humble and selfless servants of Jesus Christ and of those around them. The more we become like Jesus, the more we think about others than we think about ourselves. That is 100% true. Because Jesus was a servant, the more we become like him, the more we become servants. So we want to teach you to live generously with your time, your talents, and your treasure, investing that in the people around you for the good of the kingdom of God. And then finally, we want to actually equip you to make a difference. Every single person in our church should know how to share their story, their testimony of how God's changed their life, and they should know how to share God's story, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that when you have opportunities in your everyday life and someone says, what is different about you? you can say, well, let me tell you how Jesus changed my life. And then when they say, well, how could Jesus change my life? You could say, well, let me tell you God's story. And then we want to equip you to know how to actually walk with a person across the line of faith. We want to teach you how to integrate your faith into everyday life so that whether you're a student, a business owner, a farmer, a banker, whether you manage a team, whether you serve in a business, whether you're retired and you just hang out at home all day, whatever it is that you do in your daily life, we wanna teach you to be a missionary in that place, representing Christ so that you can make a difference. We want everybody in our church to follow Jesus, live generously and make a difference for the glory of God. Now, Last thing I'm gonna say, and then Pastor Jessica's gonna come and close our service. In Nehemiah chapter two, verse 18, Nehemiah, after he's told the people, look at the condition. The walls are torn down, the gates are burned with fire. Let us rebuild the wall so that we'll no longer suffer derision. The people said, let us rise and build. And then Nehemiah 2, 18 says, they strengthened their hands for this good work. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you that this vision that God is calling us to pursue will require each and every one of us. We have to be the ones that together say, let us rise and build. Let us strengthen our hands for this good work. And so as I close my time before I pray for you and Pastor Jessica comes, if this morning, God has gripped your heart with this vision that he is giving our church. A vision that really God spoke through you over these last several months. And if you are excited and maybe a bit overwhelmed, but you're committed to say, let's do this together. Would you stand?
and let me know that you're on the team. God, we come before you in this moment and we are here, your people. You've given us a vision. We have prayed fervently over this last year for you to give us a vision of the future. You've done that. And now, God, the work begins. Would you help us to strengthen our hands for this good work that you are calling us to do? And would you, God, as we are diligent to the things that you are putting in front of us to engage in, would you, God, let your hand of favor rest on this church so that every single thing that you desire to be true in and through this church would become a reality as we are diligent and dependent on you. God, please favor this church and let it all be done for your glory and for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.